Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, mental health and addiction help for U.S. military service members heading into 4th of July, a state parks update, and a unique family story from a Minnesota Gopher football player. But first... Abortion, public schools, and geopolitics were in political pundits' crosshairs this week, and Bill Werner has a report. Scott, it seems the way things have been going of late is that goings-on over the weekend set the tone for the following week, and that was the case again this week. We will not cooperate with states in their persecution of anyone seeking or delivering these services. We will protect till our final breath people's rightful legal right to make their own choices. And as each one of those people said, Governor Tim Walz at the 50th annual Twin Cities Pride Festival talking about abortion, and a couple days later, Walls took direct aim at his Republican challenger on that same subject, blasting what he calls Scott Jensen's anti-choice extremism for supporting an outright ban on abortion, even for victims of rape or incest. At least the one thing on this is there's clarity, and this is the most extreme position. Um, we're seeing this across the country. Jensen responded he would allow abortion only in cases where the mother's life is threatened, however. To me, rape and incest as considerations would fall within the realm of, is the mother's life endangered? And I think the mother's life can be endangered quite readily without us seeing it, particularly in regards to suicidal ideation. Jensen says that determination needs to be made by a woman and her doctor. As for Governor Walls' allegation that Jensen is an extremist, he says, I think Governor Walls is extreme if he thinks that it's okay to do an abortion in the 39th week. They are coming for equality. They are coming for all of our rights. The good news is there's more of us. The good news is you are here standing up. This fight is coming. The next four months and that election in November will determine the direction of this country for decades. Hamlin University professor David Schultz says it's too early to tell which side, liberal or conservative, will be more politically energized by the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade He says on the pro-choice side... We saw significant demonstrations across the country, but demonstrations versus showing up to vote are two different things. Schultz says the high court's ruling could galvanize conservatives or it might cause a backlash. He points to when a gay marriage constitutional amendment failed in Minnesota, which propelled Democrats into control of the state legislature. Following spring, they passed a bill legalizing same-sex marriage, and Democratic Governor Mark Dayton signed it into law. Carleton College analyst Stephen Shear says even though the U.S. Supreme Court sided with conservatives in overturning Roe v. Wade, the path forward for pro-life advocates still has political risks. Shear says the question for Republicans... How far do they want to press their own anti-abortion agenda, and would that in fact hurt them by diverting attention from other issues that work better for them, like the economy and crime? Shear says a total ban on abortion really gets the support of less than 20% of the public. And so getting from there to 50% is a very heavy lift, and it's not obvious how you get from here to there. Also this week, in a newly released survey commissioned by the Minnesota-based think tank, Center of the American Experiment, 46% 
of respondents, 46% give the public schools either a C, a D, or an F. And John Hinderocker says the number of people who gave public schools an A or a B has dropped 10% since the start of the pandemic, while the number giving a D or an F has doubled from two years ago. 79% said yes, the shutdowns have hurt our children. Among parents, 87% said that these school shutdowns have hurt our children. State health officials say those shutdowns saved lives and prevented thousands of severe illnesses. And as NATO held its 2022 summit in Madrid, Spain, activists gathered outside Senator Amy Klobuchar's downtown Minneapolis office saying NATO's aggressive behavior is to blame for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Sarah Martin with Women Against Military Madness says the agreement when the Berlin Wall came down in the late 1980s was that NATO would not move one inch eastward. But under Clinton, that eastward march began uh, to the point where there are bases of missiles in the several countries surrounding Russia. With Turkey dropping its objections this week, Sweden and Finland are on track to becoming members of NATO, which Carleton College analyst Stephen Shear says will bring significant resources into the alliance. He says Finland has an 830-mile border with Russia and has been in a state of preparedness for a long time. They have a draft. They have had it for many, many decades. They have 380,000 Finns who are available immediately for military action, and they also have an auxiliary force that could number up to 900,000. Scheer says while Finland brings to NATO a lot of land-based military power on the Russian border, Sweden has a relatively sophisticated naval operation in the Baltic Sea. And so the Baltic now really becomes almost completely NATO territory, and that's not something that uh, Russia ever wanted. Bashir contends Russia is not likely to try to do anything about it anytime soon because he says all of their resources are on the line in Ukraine. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. What happens when the people who keep our country safe need saving? As we celebrate this 4th of July holiday, health and addiction specialists are urging Minnesotans to keep our service men and women in mind. Here's my chat with Dr. Alta Deru with Hazelden Betty Ford of Minnesota about some of the struggles that service men and women face every day. So as a veteran, so I was in for 24 years, so I've experienced some of this, um, but, but it's, uh, it's a different culture being in the military and serving in any of the armed forces. So a lot of our jobs takes us overseas 
where we don't have a social support structure that we may have had at home. We develop a new family within the armed forces, our battle buddies, our shipmates, our um, our other fellow airmen, and those are wonderful, but sometimes we can't always be vulnerable with those people. So then we push down our feelings and we mask a lot of things and we continue to exude this hero uh, mindset. And for some people it's easy and for some people it's a little more difficult. So the culture is the thing that's different that um, often some have a difficulty with and they may turn to um, substances to help them cope, that type of thing. Obviously, there's not one kind of solution for this kind of variety of problems, but do you find that there's uh, something that's helpful to sort of breaking down those barriers and uh, allowing um, people within this culture to be more vulnerable? You know, it it really um, relies on leadership. When we see that leaders can, can welcome their service members into their office without any judgment or any fear that the patient, or I'm sorry, that the uh, service member may lose some of the things that they've gained in the military. So perhaps a certain qualification or a promotion, that type of thing. You know, we're always worried that if we show some type of weakness, then maybe that's going to carry over into not as much job responsibilities. So I would hope that leadership can extend some type of forgiveness or understanding when a service member comes to them with a mental health need. You know, this can be kind of tricky, I think, because we, it seems like as a society, uh, generally in now in this country, we, you know, we like to say things like maybe we don't support the war, but we support the troops. Uh, we kind of learned a valuable lesson in Vietnam in terms of showing uh, the men and women that are serving our country that we appreciate their support. Right. Uh, but I imagine that even with that, uh, you know, thanking a stranger for their service is as rewarding and fulfilling as that may be. It doesn't necessarily uh, solve the problems of that particular person because they run a lot deeper than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For For most of us, you know, that have been in service or veterans or active duty, it truly is a pleasure serving. And we do appreciate that gratitude when somebody comes up to us. Really, it goes a long way. Um, But there are a lot of things that it doesn't address. It doesn't address the things that we've seen or the things that we've done that we've had to justify because our job, you know, our job required it. Um, so the thanks is great, um, but that's not enough to, to yeah, to get to the the issues that may be troubling a veteran. And you know, I know that the the state of Minnesota is working to try to end things like veteran homelessness and. Uh, but, of course, a, a lot of us driving around will see uh, folks on corners with signs that saying they're vets and that they're in need of help. Mm-hmm. And it looks, uh, you know, you hate to judge a book by the cover, but it looks like clearly there is a struggle happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. what, can, what can we do to help these people? Well, you know, the VA really has opened a lot of programs for veterans struggle, struggling with mental health um, challenges or substance use disorders. And if we could get that vet into the services of the VA, I think they could really benefit. Um, Anytime that they can get in with uh, a primary care physician or a free clinic to at least start them in services, sometimes that can be a springboard to the VA. 
But I, I mean, I've seen and I've experienced firsthand the services that the VA has to offer, and they're they're really robust if we can get that person to the VA for their help. Do you have a message out there to uh, loved ones or family members of service members that might be struggling? What can they do to help? You know, be understanding to this person. Approach them with um, without judgment. Uh, they've struggled through things that maybe the civilian community hasn't seen and assist them to get treatment. And then once they're in treatment, support them through that bumpy journey. So there's lots of evidence to show that family support and social support really aids in a person's life, um, living a life without drugs or alcohol. So it's that family support, even when things are hard. And you are a contributor uh, to this um, to this meditation book. It's called Leave No One Behind. Tell me a little bit about that and how that can help too. Yeah. So this um, this book is a is the first uh, crowdsourced funding book uh, meditation. It is a entry. Every day there's an entry from a different service member who is either, everybody's in recovery, but they're either active duty or veterans. And, you know, when we're in the service and we think that, and we're struggling with a substance use disorder, we think we're the only one. We think we're the only one who has this issue and we may not want to share it with people for, for fear, stigma, retribution, that type, losing our prominent status. So we suffer silently. And when you're reading these entries, especially if you're a veteran, and you're reading these entries, you see the words that you can identify with, you see the places that they were stationed, their thoughts, and then it becomes this identifiable story. And other veterans and active duty members will read this and know that they're not alone, because these are all from people recovering. And um, it's it's different than a than a meditation book that may be um, published from the community because these are specifically by veterans for veterans. Uh, Good information, doctor, and a good reminder at this time of year uh, in particular. Is there anything else you wanted to add for our listeners before we say goodbye today? You know, if you see somebody out there who is struggling and can use um, our help from Hazleton Betty Ford, we would love to take in your your loved one either in an inpatient or an outpatient setting. Um, it's it's nice to approach them with love and understanding. And there is hope. People can recover from this. People can live a life. We see it every day in our in the work that we do. They can live life without drugs or alcohol. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Alta Daru with Hazelden Betty Ford in Minnesota. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. State parks are going to be buzzing with visitors and campers this long 4th of July weekend. Tasha Radel had a chance to visit with Sarah Burhau with DNR's Parks and Trails Division on what folks can expect. I know a lot of Minnesotans are going to be heading uh, to their favorite state park. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're hearing and seeing? I know our parks really offer a lot of great camping amenities and a lot of activities. So can you kind of give us a a snapshot of uh, what folks can expect? Sure. Um, 
There are a lot of people excited to camp in state parks this weekend. Um, and reservations for campsites are a bit of a hot commodity right now. We have um, more than 4,500 campsites across the state park system. And um, we have 418 of them are, are open and not reserved at this point. So there are still um, some openings if people want to camp this weekend. Um, some of the parks that have the most campsites open would be Camden State Park, Kylan Woods, Lake Bronson, Byrie Big Island, uh, St. Croix State Park, and Zippel Bay for anyone who wants to go up near the uh, Canadian border. But we have lots of things to do in state ports that don't require camping, too. So um, there's lots of things to do if you just want to go out for the day. Um, anything from having a picnic to looking at wildflowers to hiking or biking. There's just um, lots of things to do, whether you want a physical challenge or you want to just relax and enjoy the weekend. And, you know, I think one of the things that I always like to remind Minnesotans of is that there's literally a state park uh, in everyone's backyard. I think if I remember the stat right, about 30 miles uh, from from each city in Minnesota. Is that fair to say? Yes, the vast majority of Minnesotans live within 30 miles of a state park. Um, you know, we have our big population center here in the Twin Cities area, and um, we've got a number of parks that are um, either within the Twin Cities or just a very short drive away. And um, there are 75 of them across the state. So um, go back to one of your favorites or check out the state park map and, and find one you haven't been to before. Will park naturalists be out this holiday weekend? Absolutely. Um, we have a lot of naturalist programs available in the parks. And um, folks who are interested in those kinds of programs can check our parks website. Um, each park will list what's going on in their park. That's um, at mndnr.gov. Um, we also have some things like tours of Mystery Cave down at Forestville um, Mystery Cave State Park in southeast Minnesota, or um, surface tours of the Sudan Mine up um, further in northern Minnesota. So there are some tours that people can do in addition to naturalist programs. All right, perfect. Well, Sarah, those are some of the questions I had. Was there anything else you wanted to add today? Um, one little note, um, I know we have a lot of campsites that are booked, but if somebody is really hoping to go to one of those more popular parks that is fully booked at this moment, um, we encourage those to um, keep checking because cancellations do happen, and our online reservation system has a notify me feature. So if there's a park you, um, that someone really wants to go to, but it's full right now, you can sign up to be notified if there's a cancellation that opens up a uh, campsite there. That's awesome. I didn't know about that feature. That's pretty neat. Uh, then then you don't always have to be going back and forth checking all the time. Sure. Um, it does, you know, maybe mean that you have to be ready to go uh, on last minute notice, but uh, we do have that feature available. And we, we know it happened over Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, sometimes folks are making those reservations 120 days in advance, which is the furthest out that you can make a reservation, and then things come up where they end up canceling. So those cancellations do happen, and um, those who really want to camp this weekend may be able to snag one of those sites that opens up at the last minute. All right, perfect. We'll, we'll help spread the word, Sarah, and I just thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, glad to talk to you. Thank you for that report, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Summer workouts continue for the University of Minnesota football team. Golden Gophers are hoping to build on a 9-4 season from a year ago. Senior linebacker Mariano Sori Marin of Mokina, Illinois, says the summer session is an important time to improve the team. Away from football, Sori Marin recently told MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm the amazing story of how his father's family arrived in the U.S. from Cuba in the 1960s. He was born in Cuba, and he came over when he was about three or four years old. Wow. In the mid-1960s. Yeah, so he, he's been here. My parents met at co- college in, uh, at Indiana University, and... You know, he's been living in Chicago with the family. Sometimes you have this weird, unique story of how you, you know, kind of had to escape from Cuba. Does he have a strange story? Actually, he does. So my grandfather, his dad, and then my great uncle, my my father's uncle, were actually involved in the in the Castro government, and uh, they were they helped Castro get to power during the Cuban Revolution. You know, the campaign was built on you know freeing the people of tyranny, and uh, once Castro finally came to power, kind of went back on his word. Uh, you know, started working with the Russians, uh, became com- you know went full communism, and uh, that wasn't what my grandfather and great uncle were about. So, my great uncle was one of the leaders in the Bay of Pigs. Worked with the United States government to actually work to overthrow Castro, and uh, my. My great uncle was captured, put in front of a firing squad, but my grandfather was, you know, he said, oh, no, 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 I'm loyal. But he was still, you know, anti-Castro, anti-government. And they were high up in the government, too. These weren't just, you know, low-level government officials. They were very high up. And uh, then my dad was, or my grandpa was able to, you know, work a plan out. The CIA knew about it. They were able to somehow get on a plane and escape with my dad, his sister, and, and my grandmother. And once they got here, you know, they were, uh, you know, the CIA was waiting for them at the airport and uh, they were tracked for like five years to make sure they weren't, you know, communists. And uh, they grew up in Lexington, Kentucky and, you know, fulfilled the American dream ever since then. That's incredible. So if I'm hearing that, so your your great uncle was was shot in a firing squad? Shot in a firing squad. His name was Umberto Sorimarin. And if you look him up, he's got a full Wikipedia page. He was one of the big leaders in just the anti-Castro regime. And uh, yeah, he was captured, killed, you know, and my grandpa was able to escape, you know, after that. And so, and he, so he brought your dad, your dad was three or four years old. Dad was three or four. His sister was one or two. They were very little. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then they came here and 
you know, fell in love with the United States and lived out the American dream. And here we are. So they were in Lexington. Then your dad went to school at Indiana. Yep, went to school at Indiana. Met your mom yep. and settled in Chicago. Yep, because my mom grew up in Chicago, um, Oak Forest neighborhood. They met at school, came back here, and or came back to Chicago, and you know, the rest is history. Man, that so that that could be a whole uh, podcast in and of oh, itself. Oh yeah, no, it's very yeah. interesting. And if you actually look up the Wikipedia page, it's like, it's it's pretty detailed. You know, like he. Umberto, my great uncle, like stormed the beach with arms and explosives, was like captured by Castro police and military. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Holy cow. Uh, so you had probably uh, your grandpa had some great stories, I would think. Yeah. And he unfortunately passed when I was at a young age. So a lot of the stories come from, you know, my dad and just things on the internet. Because if you look up the name, you know, half of it's football, half of it's, you yeah. know, uh, Cold War stuff. So, and then you know, my great grandma. She actually just passed away this May. Uh, she was 101 years old, and she had incredible stories as well from Cuba. And you know, she lived out a great life. And that was actually the last uh, family member that my dad had living in. You know, super close. He's got cousins, things like that. But really, super close family member that he had living in Miami. So, you know, it was, it's cool because each year we would go down there, spend time, spend a whole week in Miami. You know, kind of just living out in little Havana, little Cuba. Now there are um, there are trips sometimes that you can take to Cuba. H- has your dad ever been back? Family's never been to, back. That I, might. I mean, they could be in danger. Oh yeah. So right? my I got the same name as my grandpa, same name as yeah. my dad, and you know we're we were technically considered traitors for for you know leaving the government, leaving the country. So I've never been back. I really want to go back. I know my dad does as well, but. He, he says we got to wait a little bit longer, you know, just for a little bit of a regime shift and you right. know, change in political environment. But no, I'd love to go back, and and that's 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 probably my number one destination dream is to go to Cuba and and you know just experience what you know I've grown up hearing about. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that the government is what it is because it's you know not a lot of people get to go see it. It's a beautiful country, it beautiful like. country, and you know the beaches are phenomenal there. You know, out in the Caribbean. Phenomenal beaches, phenomenal landscape, mountains, things of that nature. But, you know, when the government's, you know, restricting and holding it down, it, it doesn't get its full value because it could be a tourist hotspot, but it just limits, you know, their capabilities and access just from the government standpoint. What uh, have your parents done in terms of like, what, what do they do for a living and, and, uh, and from Indiana on to, to what they are up to? Yeah, now? so my dad's a tax consultant. Uh, he's a partner at BDO and he's been doing that his whole life. Just, you know, consulting different firms on their tax policies, things like that. And then my mom's a marketing director, you know, publishing books, things like that yeah. uh, for lawyers and whatnot. But, yeah, no, they've been working in downtown Chicago their whole life. And, you know, they're getting to that age where they're getting ready to retire. And, you know, all the kids are out of the house. So it's <laughs> it's work and coming to go for football games and things like that. Yeah. Have they missed any of your games? Have not missed a single game. So. All the way back probably all, to youth, right? Yep. I mean, I can I can date back to youth. Parents have been at every single game, and then college, they're at every single game. You know, that's awesome. Every go for March, you know, I I can I know where they'll be. They'll be in the mid mid section on the right. And my mom always texts me, "I'll be on the right." I'm like, I know where you're gonna be. <laughs> yeah, man. every every time. Yep, right? and, every time. Grandparents as well. My sister as well. They're always there. And that's go for football player Mariano Sori Marin and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm on Minnesota Matters. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening and tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.